0: Welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry, or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at rocksolidministries.org, again, rocksolidministries.org. My guests today are Kurt and Alberta Fluharty, servants of the Most High God. I think that's the best way to put it. I'm interviewing them as a couple because Delberta is so shy and reserved, and I thought Kurt could help her (laughs) out a little. I can't even say that. (laughs) Actually, you two have been such an inseparable team in ministry. It just made sense to do this together. Now, Beth and I met the two of you at the same time at the Logan County Fair in Sterling, Colorado, way back in 1984. We've been good friends ever since. I know some of your story, but I'm anxious to hear even more. So, Kurt and Delberta, or Delberta and Kurt, (laughs) tell us your stories. Anyone wants to start?
1: You should start.
0: When we first um, met
1: them, what you felt.
2: Well, I was going to (laughs) say, maybe before that, though, growing up. Sure. I grew up in northeastern Colorado on a farm and ranch. My mom, dad, my brother, and I, just the four of us, um, and... uh, as far as church goes, uh, we didn't go to church. Uh, I I can't say that our family was anti-church. They weren't against uh, church. But my mom really didn't see much need to go. Uh, my dad had been as a young man involved in the church. In fact, had even considered doing mission work. I didn't but, know that. Yeah, but it uh, uh, just didn't pan out. And, and his dad had passed away. He ended up at, at age 17 operating uh, the ranch and farm himself. And so then from there, that, that was his life. And I think he did an excellent job uh, you know, doing that um, and, and had had education in that from the junior college in the area and really tried to do a very good job farming and ranching.
1: He was a very good man. Yes.
2: Yeah. Um, he was honest. I mean, he, he, he was one of those guys that believed if you tell somebody you're going to do something, you're going to do it. And same way, if somebody tells him they're going to do something, you just expect to be done. And we had uh, some good neighbors out there that just, that was a lot of how things operated. You you just kept your word. Uh, and, you know, it it was good. I remember growing up, I, I think, by and large, you know, it was a good good upbringing. I felt like I had a good family life.
0: As how neighbors were in Northeast Colorado, farmer right. neighbors, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah exactly. Yeah.
1: But like... My family, almost the same thing. We did not know each other. I'm mm-hmm. Northeast Colorado, too, but Julesburg area.
0: Julesburg, and you were Sterling, and that's about 60 miles? Yeah. Yeah?
1: Didn't know each other. Uh, How'd you meet? Or if you want to tell yeah, that story. <laughs> yeah, at uh, college. We actually yeah. met studying music at college. Oh, all right. The thing is, his his family were a wonderful family. My family were a little more... Uh, raucous and rambunctious kind of folks (laughs) Uh, and uh, but the the thing that's the same is the hard-working nature of Mm -hmm. farmers and Mm -hmm. ranchers and and the same thing is that Kurt's family did not go to church and neither did mine so we did not grow up in the church right so good families we we were very blessed just we did not know about the Lord Mm. that's what we were missing so, but then, yeah, met Kurt in college, studying music, and he wouldn't smile. never smiled. That was my goal in life was to get him to smile. Even though we were just just friends, didn't date or anything. We just, I, he never smiled.
0: I got so. to admit when I first met him, uh, and <laughs> Beth was saying, "Go over and talk to that guy." I was thinking, "I don't think he wants to talk to me." I, I did. <laughs> that's right. He, he did. Yeah, yeah. He
2: had he, no use for preachers.
0: Yeah. 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 And I that just. You did a real good job of translating that non verbally. I just want you to know. <laughs> Thank <I>. you.
1: <laughs> when, when Kurt, so we meet you all, we see you at the the fairgrounds at the church booth, which we realize suddenly it's church booth. Uh oh. And for Kurt walking ahead of me, I remember, it, and I think back on it, it's almost as if there's this light on the back of his head that started flashing red <laughs> church booth alert, church booth alert. And, you know, he just didn't want to stay there and he ended up.
2: You want to tell them what you did? Uh, yeah, the Spidey sense went off, and so I decided anywhere is better than here, and there was a display of corn, corn stalks, because it was a county fair. Uh, right. Farmers and, and students and all would bring in displays, and you could, they'd be judged on how the corn grew. And so I'm over there looking at the corn. Well, that's all fine and good, but I know nothing about corn. We, I grew up <laughs> on a dry land wheat farm. And I know nothing about. But you're going
0: to learn that day, won't oh, you?
2: It was much more interesting than a preacher. Yeah, that, that is for sure. That is for sure.
1: And I, I just
2: thought, well, they're nice people, and
1: and maybe my mom might be interested in going to mm-hmm. their church because she talked about that—that that she'd become a Christian at one point. But then I didn't see her living it that way at that time. So she might like to go to that church, not thinking that we had any need to go to church ourselves. My husband was a police officer, but he's a good guy. And, and you know, we were living a good life. And yeah, well, <laughs> we we weren't really, when you think about it, oh my. So yeah, we ended up getting literature and going to church with my mom. I do not even know if she went with us the first time, did she? I don't remember. But I, I remember the first. I
0: remember that Kurt was real curious and he had that, it was that cop curiosity, I think, that said, these people could be really strange because of where they're meeting. Yeah, exactly. But you did give us your mother's information that day, did, did and I? Beth and I went to see her that afternoon. Wow,
1: that's amazing! I don't even know that I knew
0: that. Yeah, well, you you did you went I mean, over the and 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 filled out the little card for us. Wow,
1: I did yeah, more I'm, than I'm really.
0: And that's when Beth was giving me the eye to go talk to Kurt. Well, and, well, was in the and
1: that's when he and
0: out. I was saying back, you know, kind of mouth and back. He didn't want to be talked to. He didn't want <laughs> no, no, no. But she finally gave me the eyeball and the the the. the what they used to call the hairy eyeball, where they kind of squint at you, you know, and they, like, and get, like you, go, you go, and she was, I always tell people she was pregnant and in and, and that hot, oh, yeah. in that hot grandstand yeah. under that enclosed, yeah, did man. I want to argue with her <laughs> or talk to this guy who I knew did not want to speak with me? So I thought, pregnant woman, big guy with a frown, I'll go talk to him. So that's how mm-hmm. I, I actually walked away, went over and, and shook yeah. his hand. Yeah.
2: Of course. I had to be nice just because I had to be nice, but you probably never, didn't want you were to trained to be nice I as, as, as a i don't think officer. you
1: smiled probably. I would guarantee that he didn't no. smile because he doesn't smile much. Yeah.
0: now we don 't have an emergency to our listeners we're getting some hot buttered dinner rolls here at at Delberta's alberta 's house where we're in revival this week, and she had to go punch a few. Numbers in there. See, we're not in some fancy schmancy studio. That's why. <laughs> that's why when you listen to our podcast, you get all kinds of background stuff because you never know where we're podcasting from. Delbert is back with us. Okay, so we we met there, and you decided to go to church. Try, give it a you know check us
1: take, out. Take mom to church.
0: Right.
2: No. Take just more. and to me, it was the weirdest thing to go to church in a funeral home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Funeral home, seriously.
0: Well, we were a new church, and it was, and they were offering it to us free of charge. So I liked the price,
2: and it was a beautiful sanctuary.
0: Yeah. yeah,
2: it was. Yeah, it was a, a fine place to meet.
0: Chandelier in the nursery—you yeah.
2: couldn't beat couldn't <laughs> that. I appreciated after I got to know everything that you had a a, a lead team that would go in first and and uh, <laughs> do the necessary moving around and setups.
0: That's right. <laughs> yeah, and they were uh just great people uh, cowboys who mm-hmm. not known jesus and come yeah. to jesus and that was some of them really uh i think was because of you but they would go in and get things set up too and uh, in the beginning of just beth and i and a few others mm-hmm. had to every sunday go in and stick a sign in the ground out in front of Hedinger funeral home and and get everything ready so you, you came to church what
2: did what do you think about that well, it was okay till I saw some of the people and I'd had some dealings on the police department with a couple of them and I thought, I don't know if this is really the place for me or not I,
1: I remember him saying after the first time he said, there were people there that I, I've i had dealings with them. I I don't know why I would want to go to a place where they're mm-hmm. at That yeah. that's not what I would think church would be people like that well, come to find out we're all people like that, you know, we're all sinners. And that's exactly where those folks needed to be. But that was one of the first things he's like, he didn't wanna be around people like that.
0: I just wish our listeners could smell what I'm smelling right now. We're gonna, I don't know if we're gonna get through this whole thing. God, it smells so good. Well, uh, you got there and you, uh, you saw these people. You know, something I've noticed about your life and ministry in these years past, that you have taken that thought into every place you've ever been, that everybody is at the same level at the foot of the cross, and that everybody has the should have the opportunity to know jesus, and you go after you go after some you've gone after some rough people for the Lord and places and where some folks would not want to be or some people would not want to
2: go I just- once I understood the, the the need to reach people of the gospel, yeah, that's that's true. Previous, you know, I could have cared less. I mean, it just you know it wasn't urgent, it wasn't necessary. Whatever they want to believe, that's their business. They can go to church if they want to or not. I I don't care. That's fine with me, and I respect them that they do that. But yeah, it it definitely is different after we got to know more you and uh, that you taught us the scriptures and what the scriptures were speaking and how they were speaking to us. Well, that after that first
0: Sunday, we, we never kind of let the grass grow under our feet. It seemed like it was just pretty quick that, that uh, Beth invited y'all over for dinner. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Do I remember right that it was meatloaf?
1: Oh yeah.
0: And and, and you know, that can be, a, I always tell you that can be a dangerous thing because we've had some meatloafs and I don't want to go into it. but. <laughs> But Beth makes a mean meatloaf. She yeah. makes a really good yeah. Yeah, I
1: didn't one I don't make I never made good meatloaf and I and so poor Kurt, he'd never had good meatloaf <laughs> other than your mom. So you loved that meatloaf. That was a hit.
0: Mm. <laughs> so we got you back for some Bible study. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Thanks yep. to the
1: meatloaf and thanks to just you guys opening your home to us and being kind to us and reaching out to us persistently. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes you have to. I mean, you don't want to give up on people. No. What if you had because he was frowning or walked away? You know, where would we be today and where would the people be that we were able to bring to Christ over the years as well?
0: Well, I owe that I really want to say to our listeners that it's that if you're not pers- if 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 you want to reach somebody and you think you're not the person, but you know somebody that could, be persistent with that friend to go talk to this person, because I attribute really you coming to the Lord, Uh, of course, first of all, to the Lord, how he put everything together, but I put it back to Beth, because Beth was the one that really engaged you at the booth, and she is the one that really pushed me to, I always thought I was pretty brave. I went door to door in some pretty scary places, knocking on doors, inviting people to know the Lord and to come to church, but uh, Kurt was not one of those people I, I, I... I didn't. It wasn't that he was behind the door. He was right there, and I could see him. And it's not that he's a scary person. He just didn't look like he wanted to have anything to do with me. And Beth, mm-hmm. Beth is the reason, scary, really, that that I that that we really approached you to, and and that got persistent with you. And we had you over the home, you and Jonna, and you had one little boy at the time. That uh, he was in a stroller, wasn't he, when you came by the booth, mm-hmm. and. uh so we invited y'all over for dinner, and then I think it was after the dinner that we invited you to come back the next week for a Bible study. Mm-hmm. And we used the Jewel Miller film strips, and they were film strips listeners. That's what they were, you know, with the beep and turn this film strip. And,
1: and then we used the same thing years later, mm-hmm. ended up using the videotape version. Yeah.
0: You know. And you can now get them on flash drive. Yeah. I actually have them on my computer as we speak. Wow. And uh, so that we can set them up, and I didn't get to you soon enough. I didn't have them to set them up for revivals, if people want to have a class in the morning, and just go through it. So next time around, maybe. But those were were in those were so intelligently written, and even today, even though the pictures are way outdated, right. I just tell people pretend you're watching Turner Classic Movies, and you're just gonna, you know,
1: I mean, the information is timeless. In it, those. it is
0: and And uh brought a lot of people to the Lord using those oh, yeah. and uh so uh we got through a few weeks. Tell us what happened as you were going through these Bible studies with us how did How did the Lord work on your hearts?
1: Well, I just knew I needed to make a decision for Christ. I mean, I have a lot of baggage from the past, and so I needed his forgiveness. I didn't think I'd ever feel good about myself or have a a big goal in life. I don't know. I don't know how to really describe it, but I grabbed on for dear life. I needed the Lord. I mm-hmm. needed the forgiveness. And then, and then, of course, Kurt was more resistant. Mm-hmm. Because, well, he's just such a good guy. He didn't have as much baggage as me. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a good guy. I think sometimes it's harder for someone who has lived a really good life. And his dad and mom did teach good morals, even though they didn't go to church. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it was hard for him to realize he needed to do this. And he's afraid of water. So when it came to learning, he needed to be
2: baptized. <laughs> and I, I think something that's interesting too, you know, I, I said it didn't. We didn't go to church uh, or anything like that. I there were a few times that we went. Yeah. And I remember one time I was sent to a, a vacation Bible school in a little tiny town near where uh, we lived uh, when I was a kid, and it was the church that my dad had been involved in for years and years. When whenever he went to church, that's that's it was at little town called Padroni, Colorado and and went and so I had heard some of the stories about you know, the Bible and I'd heard about Jesus and and I I believed that Jesus was a real person. I mean a a real thing. I never really disbelieved that. But applying to me Mm -hmm. no that wasn't I mean for crying out loud I was a cop. How much better can you get? (laughs) Well that's what (laughs) you thought at the time. In those days unfortunately today 2022, um, you know, many people have the belief that you know, police are just horrible, nasty, terrible. Well, people.
0: I'm I'm kind of old fashioned that way. I I would agree with the old fashioned yeah. that yeah, good people. And after all that I said about you being unapproachable with me, I I want to confirm what Alberta has said. What a nice guy you are, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 we're even then just didn't want to have anything to do with church folks. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so you were a little more resistant, but you came to the decision about the same time. Uh, well, at the same time, yeah.
1: I guess. He just had a little bit of a, a fallback right after we had decided. Oh, yeah. I don't know if he even knew that he was not gonna go ahead and get baptized. He was gonna back out. The
2: day it was set up. Yeah. And I, was, I was done, I was, nope.
1: He it's went up ridiculous. and talk to his mom of course, she was not wanting him to do that. This was a new church plant in town and everybody thought it was a cult. The people that didn't go to church. Right. This is a cult that moved into town and uh, so uh, yeah, it was a, a thing of you were trying you were being persuaded not to be part of this cult. and so yeah, he had a little little fit that day.
2: Well, but previous to that though, at the end, at the point in the film strip series where it comes to the point about making a decision. Uh, you used the scripture verse well you said well you believe this about needing to be baptized needing to repent you went through the steps of salvation and then he said and now the scripture says arise and be baptized for the forgiveness of sin and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and you look at me and I'm no and you said well no wait let's back up you believe this you believe this you believe this you believe this and you'd
1: say yes yes yes
2: why tarriest thou Arise and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins Acts twenty two sixteen exactly and, no 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 and so I you think it was now. three times if not four wow I don't I didn't five. remember that it was repeat, finally repeat. yeah and you find and I finally had to say well I mean I, I I mean I knew inside I had to say yes even though I didn't want to but the big reason was I knew what that meant yeah mm-hmm. that meant I had to be baptized and, and I said. never had a question the baptism was dripping on your head or. Or somebody splashing some water on you or something like that. I never had a question. I knew the baptism was by being immersed. I mean, where I came up with that, I don't know. uh, But that always was in the back of my head. A baptism was being immersed. That was, uh, which is kind of weird never having background, but...
1: And what's the problem with that for you? The problem (laughs) with that is,
2: again, I grew up on a dry land, (laughs) wheat farm... The most water I really ever saw was the big puddle that would form in our yard after a big rain. And that dried up the next day. Yeah. Uh, never learned to swim. My mom was scared of water, too. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I kind of transferred. Me. I was signed up a couple of times to uh, take swimming lessons. My dad would swim, but, but I just, I never, I'd, I'd, I'd chicken out and that'd be the end of that. So this baptism thing meant that I would have to be submissive to the point of somebody putting me underwater. Yeah. And that was like, yeah. I can't breathe underwater. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I can't live underwater. No, and it doesn't matter how deep it is, I'm dying. Yeah, don't
1: yeah. he could set up and be, his head will be out of the water if he just set up, but he's like, nope, I, I could it, drown.
2: And then
0: there's this big fellow says he's gonna push you under the water. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
2: Exactly. It was it's hard. Like, you know, it's, just, it's hard to explain when you have a fear like that. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, two things I'm scared to death. of. One is water snake snakes <laughs> yeah. can't stand snakes other than that I don't know if I've got any other no, phobias no, but those No no the things, water's the big thing Well
0: the good thing about our church is we were not snake handlers <laughs> so I mean we just it was just the yeah. water thing we had to and, deal with
2: and there weren't water snakes so I mean no, that would have been the worst of the worst
0: Now we didn't have a way to baptize you at the church, at, at, at the funeral home so uh, we uh, I had made arrangements with the uh, local uh, acapella a cappella Church of Christ mm-hmm. And uh, to to be quite honest, that we there was a little bit of working to get them to let us use their baptistry, but one of my arguments was you're not using it, you know why why can't we? And and uh, and we used it a lot. Yeah. We and I'm very grateful that they did let us use it. Yeah. It was very very kind of them to let us use it. And and uh, uh, <clears throat> but I, I did not remember it took me three or four times to talk to you, But I would not have tried to talk you into it. But I'm sure it was because I'd gotten to know you and I could tell where your heart was. But I do remember that when we got in the water, uh, it was going to be the three of you are going to baptize both of you and your daughter. And uh, you were going to go and show them how to do it. You were going to go first, you know, head of the household and all that. And they were off in the wings. The curtains were closed. And uh, a young man that was working the curtains, he'd he'd been baptized and he knew how to run the curtains. And uh, so uh, you came down in the water. You want to tell that story, how that, how that went? And we'll see if we match up.
2: Uh, very tentative. <laughs> um, somehow you got me in there. I, 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 a lot of the details I don't remember, and that's one thing. I, my brain doesn't remember a lot of detailed things from the past. It just, I, I've had right. some issues. But Let anyway. me
1: interject one thing to finish from before, when he was that day. Wasn't it that very day? Because it was, I believe it was the evening we mm-hmm. had it. Right. You were not going to right. go through with it, yeah. and he was just that terrified. And I knew if I felt like if we didn't do this together, I was going to be one of those wives that the husband didn't go to church with, and I'd be the only one. I just thought we need to do this together, and I was so worried. But I, finally, as we reasoned it out, and I talked to him, and and I, I said, finally, okay, I, I've got to do this. I, I'm. We can't wait. I can't wait, I'm going to go without you. And I got ready and was going to go without him, and Jonna and I and all, but um, he suddenly come out and he's ready, I said, what are you doing? I, I thought you were not going. He said, no, I need to do this, and so there we went. That's all happened before we and even got it, it, there. It's, that it's same all day, it's all
2: Satan. It's all yeah. Satan that was at the root of this He's because attacking. at the very last second, even there was almost a, a, a yeah. turnaround, and, and I blasted out words that I never spoke. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, some, some choice swear words. Oh, that, I'd never heard uh, him use swear uh, words. And, yeah. and because I was, I, I was angry and I, I was scared. Yeah, I that's was, why you were angry. You were but scared. But the thing is, inside of me, I knew it needed to be done.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, and. Uh, what I remember, and it's the only reason I remember a lot of this, is because years ago, you were telling me, you were reminding me of the story of in the baptism, yeah, right. and what I remember is, and our people would drive forty miles from the out mm-hmm. in the field, out, and in, in the uh, plains to come. We just sent out word we have another baptism, and a lot of them, if if not most of them, showed up for baptisms, and they were there sitting in that little church, Christ Church building, and. You came down the water. The curtains were closed. Um, I'm trying to think of... of, uh, uh, Scott? Scott?
2: No. Dwayne? No. Uh, Chuck. Chuck. Thank you.
0: Sorry, Chuck. We yeah, always we, know you. We love brain, you. We that's know why you. I just
2: said my brain doesn't work.
0: Yeah. Well, my I'm we that's because we're getting older. We know you. We thought of Marla first. But, <laughs> but uh Chuck was there to work the curtain and what I remember of it and what you re- reminded me of years ago was that you got in the water. I still didn't know you were afraid of water. And and you were just a little bit bigger than me. You know, I had to get my hand, you know, up and 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 uh uh, I could tell you were a little nervous, but I thought, well, yeah, he's getting baptized. I understand that, grown man getting baptized. And I, I told Chuck, I said, open the curtains. And I got ready, said what I was gonna say and start to put you under and you stiffened up and you weren't no, going anywhere. No, no, no. So after a little bit, I told him to close the curtains and he gave me a look because he he hadn't been doing it long but knew that you don't close the curtains till they're soaking wet, but he closed them. <laughs> and then we talked a minute and we opened the curtains. I tried it again and, and you were going nowhere. Yeah. And so he closed the curtains again, and and uh, about this time the people in the congregation were like the Israelites; they were all murmuring, you know what's going on back there. And now I'm learning that you're afraid of water, and I uh, I said again to you, Kurt, bend your knees like you're going to sit down in a in a chair in a recliner. That way you keep your feet underneath you. You won't lose your balance. You can help bring yourself back up, and I'm gonna. And, and I'm gonna say this very quickly. I'm gonna put you under, and we're gonna do what God wants to be done. And I'm gonna have you right back up. You won't even know it's gonna be so fast. And I could tell you, you were shivering at the time. And I understand, I got a fear of heights and I understand if you've got a fear of something. So uh, I said what I needed to say, uh, and, and I, I said, just go down. And you, you started going down, the water level came up higher and higher on your chest. And I could tell that you were nervous. And I said, this is what I'll say. I said it, and Chuck flew those curtains open, and boom, I
2: got you down and back up. Yes, but you're a cheater. <laughs> How's that? Because you told me, okay, here's what we're going to do. You said all that, you said the words all, Chuck opened the curtains, and he said, I'm going to do it on three. One, two, goosh! Ah, oh, I didn't remember that. And I yes. come up, and I'm like, you cheated. Yes. <laughs> so you're a cheater. Tom, I'm here to say Tom Weaver's a cheater. <laughs> But thank God that he is. <laughs> and if I also remember right,
0: you got up, went up the stairs, looked down at your wife and daughter, said nothing to it. <laughs> and, and that's where we went from there. So uh, before we go on to what's happened in your life since that point, and what happened there at, Lexin, at, at uh, Lexington, at, at uh, Sterling, See, Chuck, I'm for, even forgetting what town I was in. So uh, before we do that, let me say to our listeners, we do this every once in a while, uh Anywhere in the world, if if you believe that you need to accept Jesus Christ as your savior and have your sins washed away, uh, the scriptures do say that you do need to repent, you need to believe, you need to repent, you need to be baptized into Jesus Christ and raised up into a new life. Then, and this is all according to Romans six, uh, Acts chapter two, uh, so many places in the New Testament, you can read it, but find someone who will immerse you for the forgiveness of sins and gift of the Holy Spirit if you can't find someone anywhere in the world, contact us through the contact page of our website, rocksolidministries.org, and tell us you're, you're trying to find someone. We will do everything we can to find someone for you. If you're in the continental United States, uh, do the same thing. If you cannot find someone, contact us. Uh, I or Brother Greg, our social evangelist, we will drive anywhere in the country to baptize you into Christ. It is just that important. Mm-hmm. So let us know, but hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll find someone for you wherever you might be. So I wanted to say that, because we've gone through a whole long story how this came about, but now you're new Christians. What, uh, pretty quickly, you went right to work for the Lord, didn't you?
1: Well, y'all put us to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember th- there's a growth process people need to understand too, and I didn't understand that. I just, I wanted to get to, to work. And I thought, well, I taught in 4-H and, loved kids and I'll just go to teaching right away. And you had said very kindly, explain to me, I needed to learn first. Mm-hmm. You didn't just put us in to teach before we knew what the scriptures said. Right. I, and I appreciate that over the years and we have been careful about that as well, that who we've had teach the children in the church. But you had, I believe it was the 13 week study that I needed to go through first.
0: That's right, and I used to
2: yeah. do a 13 week study. It was excellent. One, yes. I think one of the best basic studies mm-hmm. I, I've seen ever, seriously. I think that
0: book was from College Press, if I remember right, and, and uh, uh, 13 Lessons for New Christians or something, or I, I forget what it was. It was but, Christian, uh,
1: 13 Lessons on Christian Doctrine. Doctrine, that's I what think. it was, yes.
0: Yeah. And uh, maybe Leroy Lawson might have been the the author that of that. Right. Now the, um, it was remember. so
1: good. And then I graduated, so to speak, you didn't <laughs> call it that, but I was able to then start teaching. And that's when I learned even more, because when you're actually teaching and you've got to study to right. teach, so that helped.
0: But we discovered something right off that that you and Kurt were musicians and had mm-hmm. just really fine voices. We had a really good pianist in, in Marla, oh, yeah. and and uh, y'all just jumped in there and went to work with her. And Kurt became our, our worship song leader, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't know who was doing it at the time. If it was me, I know we needed somebody new. Uh, but anyway, it just it was great to have you and your enthusiasm as young Christians was just catchy. And uh, I also remember that that uh, your base of non-Christian friends was larger than anybody else's in the church, because of course you you had not been going to church, so you had all these people to reach out, and, and you didn't waste time telling people about your conversion, did you? Yeah.
2: But it's important. I mean, it, it, once again, I fall back to that. Once the decision was made, and I I'm kind of talked for Delberta a little bit too, but once we understood the need, it wasn't just a need. Now there was a sense of urgency because the Bible says he's coming back. He's coming back soon, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that could be two minutes from now. Could be two hundred years from now. We don't know. Be ready. But it, you know, be ready. That's the that's the catchphrase. Be ready.
1: Yeah. I think of the, the time that, you know, Mick Payne, y'all know Mick Payne, yeah. y'all invested a lot in his life, you know, and he's with the Lord now, yeah. thanks to you know, yeah. everyone working together well, on that, but he yeah, was a friend yeah. of ours from my past when we weren't living for the Lord, and yeah. saw him at the post office after we're new Christians, and invited him to revival, that night he was standing there wanting to go forward and couldn't. Do you remember that? It's like his feet were glued to the ground and his body was. I do
0: remember down. that now. And yeah. You
1: you called, made the invitation call, I think, an extra couple times for that. And it's a good <laughs> thing because he did go forward. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that was a life
0: from the and, past. And you baptized him with he, Chuck Baker, I think. Two of you baptized no, me. Oh, I don't even remember. Because uh, you didn't want to go in there by yourself. <laughs> And and uh, so... I think you're, you're right. Yeah, I think, you think two, I you, that, that may have been your first baptism. You think? I don't maybe Possibly. It's Possible. hard for well, you, you to remember. So many place. people that you know, helped lead to the Lord. And the church really, I think when we met you, the church was about 25 people. It was about a year old when we met you. And uh, it's, we started with just five or seven of us. And uh, it really took off and began growing after you two came and you actually reached out and found a lot of people we couldn't we, we never would have found that began coming and of course, the music helped too and and the enthusiasm level of the church really went up. Mm. uh You probably don't realize that, but i- re- yeah. as preacher, I realized what an asset you were mm. because when you were converted, you were converted <laughs> and, and you really were sold out for the Lord. Yeah. And well
1: and and you put you took us to the word though that's the the key, yeah I had been to some Bible schools too as a kid, and you like you said you'd been to some church services we'd been to some things, mm-hmm. but we didn't really get the Word taught to us. You taught us what this book said, and we yeah. knew what God wanted and expected from us mm-hmm. that doesn't always happen with people; they need to be taught from god 's Word, and you would tell us. To check out anything you said in your sermons, you go home and you, you know you, we took notes. You taught us take notes. I still to this I day. I was watching
0: last night. You were taking notes.
1: I have to take. It's just in me. But and then and I use them again later, and I'll check something out or that that our minister now says and 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 that anybody says. My brother when he's preaching, we listen to his sermons online also yeah. every week. And, and I did
0: not. Yeah. Uh, Alan Alan Harris. Yes. And he's uh, we podcasted with him, and I keep telling my audience. I'm gonna get a list of all the podcast numbers so I can tell them when one, a name comes up. But uh, yeah. Alan's really good, Julesburg, Colorado. Just search through the old yeah. ones if you haven't heard it and you'll enjoy his as well. So that's another neat connection now. We do revivals for your yeah. brother. Uh, he became
1: become a Christian about six months before we did. And uh, that was wonderful because then I didn't have to also, a lot of my family didn't go along with the decision for us to become Christians. So, my brother and I are very close and it was very, very wonderful that he had also become a Christian.
0: And now he is the preacher for a church where my grandfather was the minister Mm -hmm. in the late 1950s. It is so amazing how how things work out this way and we have tremendous revivals with them in Julesburg, Colorado. But you you hit on something here. Go to the Word. Always go to the Word and sometimes we think, well, uh, what we got to do is we get the people in here. and We got to have all these programs to keep them, mm. and good programs. There's nothing wrong with good programs, but the Bible. Uh, what you win them with is what you win them to, and the Bible is where we have to go. And
1: there was no yeah. programs when we when you invited us to your church. There was just
0: <laughs> the funeral home, a
1: funeral home sanctuary, yeah. and the Word of God and good Christian family. Yeah. Yeah. There was no program, you know, there's Sunday school and there's worship yeah. and all basic yeah. things, but the word is what you need. This is right. what changes
0: people. Well, we, we had some great times there. We 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 started mm-hmm. uh at Christmas time in Colorado having hay rides where we caroled throughout the city. I mean, this is ice on the streets and we were out there and and, and then the next year all these other churches had these hay rides going out there all caroling. So I guess they decided we weren't a cult. We were actually doing something and getting out in the community. We had a Bible study for all ages in the Trailer Park uh, community building, Mm -hmm. and just some great things happened there. But you got involved in the church there, and uh, I, after four years, we left and uh, moved to Oklahoma, and y'all were there for a while longer, but something odd happened. Kurt didn't didn't remain a police officer. Mm Uh, something happened to your direction well, in
2: life. Well, a lot, of, a lot of things kind of came together all at once, so to speak. I guess our daughter was a senior in high school and was starting to think about, okay, what do I do after you know college? What do I do? And, and one thing she had become interested in was um, sign language for the deaf. And Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri, had a sign language program that she had become interested in. And uh, so anyway, about that same time, there was a promotional opportunity that came up in the police department. That didn't happen much in that small town. There wasn't, at that time, uh, there wasn't a lot of turnover. And so a promotional opportunity came up. And I had put in for it, and a couple other guys had put in for it. Um, the one thing that I did not have going for me was seniority. A couple of the other guys had longer time on the department than me. but uh, You had more training, though. I had more training, uh, uh, a lot of background in different areas, uh, work product. I had a lot more work product than, than a couple of the other guys. Anyway, and one thing that the chief said, he said, I am not going to base my decision solely on seniority. So time went on. Went through all the testing. And all came down to basically, it was two of us, and all of the other law enforcement agencies that we worked with basically were referring to me as sergeant already, which that was going to be the position.
1: It's like he was the shoe in.
2: Was the shoe in? Right. Somebody had written sergeant on my mailbox and at work. I mean things like that. So. But
1: we had prayed.
2: We had prayed previously, and I and had forgot, forgot, forgot about it. Forgot and the you know, Lord, if if this is what you want me to do, if you want us to want me to. Take this promotion, then um, you know I'll do that. And I had committed to at least being there a couple more years because I felt that if the, the city promoted me, I, I owed it to them for a couple years. One sure. just quit and promote and leave.
1: But if you didn't get this position, get that, then we would move with our daughter to Joplin, Missouri for her to go to college. Right. And you would consider it because Tom had said to you many times that you thought we should go to Bible college. Right. At some somewhere, right. but just that we should go, or that Kurt should go, and so that was all. Oh, okay, we'll we'll pray about that, and we had prayed
2: it. Yeah. So finally, the, the day came. I was working midnight to eight. Well, both of the me and the other guy that were up for the promotion were working the same shift, midnight to eight. Well, he got called in at about eight or, or seven early, early to come in to the station. And then I got the call then about 15 minutes later to come in the station. So I knew, okay, things are something's up. Well, I pull in there and, and I get in. I walk in the chief's office, and here was my coworker and his wife. And here I am. And I'm thinking, okay, something's up. And so they excused everybody except for me and the other guy, I shut the door, and the chief announced that the other guy got the promotion. Based he said, I finally based my decision on seniority. <laughs> and of course, I was really devastated. Right. Um, congratulated him. I don't even remember. I came home and I was, I was devastated because I was sure, you know, what was going to happen.
1: But then, the remembrance hit you about the prayer.
2: Yeah, um, I think you actually mentioned it. I don't even I remember. remember. And I'm going, oh, okay. So relatively soon, it was settled in our minds that that's what we were to do. We were to go ahead and make the move. To Joplin and and go to Bible College, and so we did. And I went in, told the chief that months ahead. So I said, I'm going to let you know this is my plan, so you can start making plans for replacements. Mm-hmm. Um, and and put our house not, up for sale. Yeah, and- it's not because I'm upset you made the decision. That's not it. Yeah, I feel there's a, high, a different calling on my life. Yeah. So.
0: Well, uh, I know I was surprised uh, when you told me what you were doing. I was excited about it. <laughs> excuse me, and uh, and surprised. You know, why are we surprised when we prayed for people, you know, and well, we something, and you've been that, prayed. Yeah, you were surprised. That he didn't
1: get the promotion. Yeah. <laughs> and that, but we'd prayed for God to work it out. It was the a best fleece. Way.
0: You put the fleece out. <laughs> and and uh, so you, uh, but you had been to, to Ozark for some teaching, preaching conventions. Yes. And so you knew you're familiar with it. And so that became uh, a fairly obvious, and because your daughter could get the program she wanted. Right. And you came, uh, you came, you conquered. <laughs> you you went, We were. I think we were here for some reason when you first moved here.
1: You went. Yeah, I think you did revival at Albert. Oh,
0: uh, no, at Lockwood, no. Missouri. Oh, I was going to Lockwood, Missouri for a revival. Oh, you were okay. moving here, and we oh. we uh, got a chance, to, or I got to see you, and and uh, that was good. So you, you did you both graduate? Uh,
2: tell us a story about that. Um, yeah, I graduated in '95. With a master's degree. Delberta?
1: John in 95. You in 97. Oh, and then your second right, right. time in 99. Yeah, And then, and the then I graduated 90. in
2: 99 too. Right. So, yeah, we both graduated finally in 99. And I had with a second master's degree. And she had a uh, an associate degree. Mm. Right? So Am I right or am yeah. I wrong?
0: Yeah. Okay. So then uh we're we're getting looks back and forth here it's hard to remember
2: everything back then
1: but but yeah Jono was first in deaf ministry and then
0: yeah
1: in amongst there we were different churches and all you went ahead and got your
2: bbl bachelor of biblical literature which is a four-year degree
1: and it had to take an extra year because you had to study greek Mm -hmm. and he didn't want to study greek to begin with at all and so But then he decided, well, God wasn't sending us back to Sterling. We thought we were going to end up back there and try to work in the church there and keep that going and growing as it was struggling. And uh, when we realized, oh, they finally shut the doors, might as well go ahead and get your extra year
2: of Greek. And then I got, I ended up hired on staff at Ozark Christian College. So one of the benefits was I would get a certain amount of hours uh, schooling free if I wanted to continue. So that's really helped with that decision. And by taking, I had to have the two years of Greek that I didn't have before, and so another two, two semesters. Years, no, two year, two full years. Okay, but you had Four to
1: semesters. Take, yeah, you had to take yeah. one extra year to finish, yeah. right?
2: So So, um, but yeah, so yeah, because yeah. it mm-hmm. it's ninety-seven and ninety-nine. It's two years.
1: Right.
0: All right. So that's what happens when you have a husband and wife mm-hmm. on, a, on the same program, making sure that each one's got it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't so, even either so right after that. you graduated, <laughs> you were working at the college.
2: Did, did you just work college? Did you go to work for a church? Well, I, bef- between the two graduations Nightman, I always get a little confused on the dates, but between 97 and 99, we started out at Diamond Grove Christian Church. Um, Part of the reason I went there was for the degree I was getting, I needed an internship. Mm-hmm. And so I made an arrangement. Delbert had already been at Diamond Grove uh, playing piano for them. They needed a piano player. And so that's how she was actually the first one to to get established out there. And then I followed and met with the minister, and we mm-hmm. set up this internship. fill-in preacher, and in, Yeah, and then fill-in preaching. And I, you- I had been doing supply preaching here, there, and the other place. But,
1: you didn't realize also that you're when you filled in for him, that that was your trial sermon because they wanted to hire you after you did your (laughs) fill-in for him. You were not trying to get hired to do that. He never really wanted to do preaching ministry. Music ministry was the thing he was pursuing.
0: Right.
1: So, yeah.
0: So that's where you went... Now, did you go to Alba? Were you not at Alba first? That a while? was first. Yeah. That first, was first. That was the two years. Alba,
2: Missouri. About a year after we moved here, we moved here in ninety three. So we were just talking about that. Just Ninety four is my student, student, student ministry. ministry. Two, two years. I held a
0: revival for you in Alba. Yes, I remember that. And and so then, so yeah. you you've been at Diamond Grove twenty five
1: 25 years.
0: Twenty five years. Now you've not always been the preacher, at Diamond Grove. No. So tell us about what you've done at Diamond Grove and, and well,
2: uh, the various positions, because you've held just about every position, I guess. You know, initially, it started out as associate minister to help the minister who was there. Phil Lockhart was the minister who was there. And Delberta then got involved in teaching and music and all. And over the course of the time, uh, she became what, what we call the youth director. Children's she, director. Children's director, sorry, children's director. So she oversaw, basically the education program for the grade school age and younger. Um, and then we did music all the time. We were always involved in music, uh, all the time from from day one at Diamond Grove. That was just, it's always been that way. Uh, then it wasn't long after that that we'd been there that Phil decided he was gonna retire and move on. And so suddenly here was an opening and I, I agreed reluctantly Again,
1: he was at a board meeting where they asked him to take Phil's position. He comes home after the board meeting, walks in the house and said, Phil retired. And I looked at him, and and he heads downstairs to where our office was at the time, and and he says, shaking his head no as he goes down down the stairs, and I'm not going to take over for (laughs) Phil. I'm not going to be the preacher as he's going down. And I jumped up out of my chair, and I went over and leaned over the stairwell, and I said, don't be so hasty. You know, God might have a plan here. And he said, nope. But then <laughs> seven and a half years later, yeah, you... I filled in you seven, seven and, and a half minute. years.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah I fill fill filled
2: in. in. Anticipating that they were going to find, they slash we were going to find <laughs> But they didn't really <laughs> look after, nobody after that, ever I don't really, think. yeah, looked for one. And Must know, have
0: done all right if they kept you seven and a half years... Uh, there's an awful lot of good preachers I know that that churches don't keep for two or three years well I, and,
2: I, I did okay I, I mean I did it because I know God gave me the ability to do it but I don't feel that which sounds weird but I don't feel a calling to be a preacher right Alan, you uh, right. you guys there's this burning desire to just preach and speak the word and and do it and me it's like okay, I can do it because I know God can do it, and I, I know really I should. It's really hard for him
1: to put together the messages. And now
2: as an elder at, at, at Diamond Grove, I know I, I'm apt to teach and I have to do these so things, and I will if I need to. Mm-hmm. But uh, I feel much more comfortable being the behind-the-scenes kind of guy. I tech tech stuff at the church, uh, helping support a minister like through board meetings and whatever, being being a backup for the preacher, whatever. He's a support that's, guy. That's where I feel like I'm Right. I'm more called that's to where be. your strength is, is in supporting.
0: Well, biblically, we would call you a pastor
2: because
0: mm-hmm. you're you're an elder, and that's what a pastor is. And and I'm I'm very I'm kind of picky about that term. So, uh, but that's really what you are, and you do. Uh, I've watched you through the years. You do pastor the the sheep. You're there for them. Uh, you reach out to the to the mobile homes near the church. And you say, all right, we need to get over here. And, and you go out and you call, you make evangelistic calls. So uh, just because preaching isn't your uh, your calling doesn't mean that evangelism has not been and pastoring because you've done a great job for all these years with this congregation. And, and uh, I mean, we've watched it. We've seen families that you've reached out to as we've come and done revivals. Uh, several times through the years, even more now that we're, I mean, we're really getting booked with you now for the future. Uh, And, and uh, I've watched the two of you work together. And a lot of times you're, you're some of the very first ones at church, if not the first ones, a lot of times your preacher beats you now, but, uh, and, and uh, we'll be talking to him soon too on this program, but, uh, but you're a lot of times you're the last ones out. And I, I was watching it and I thought, you were standing there discussing what needed to be done for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, that's just Kurt and Delberta, And you have reached out you've had some, some really good uh, uh, opportunities to reach people and bring them to Christ here, haven't you? Over the years. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I remember a, a letter that Kurt, you sent me back in 2003 you talked about some grandparents who came with their grandkids, and they'd, they'd come to church, and you found out they'd never accepted Christ, never been baptized, and so, uh, and you were preaching, and you were preaching on, uh, you thinking this is amazing that I can remember all this, that that, I that you were that you were preaching on with the disciples going back to their comfort zones in John, and uh, and after Jesus left and they went to their comfort zones and uh, that that we need to not be in our comfort zone, we need to get out of it. And you did that for seven, seven and a half years. You got out of your comfort zone <laughs> and preached. Uh, you, the reason I know that story so well, and I'm gonna tell you that's a little bit of a cheat, I, I use that story in one of my sermon, uh, revival sermons. Uh, I actually read part of that letter because it was a really good letter about getting out of our comfort zones. And I, I've used it for years. I've, I bet I've used it 150, 200 times because it was a good letter. And the sermon itself, I thought, was an excellent sermon that you were telling me about that we can't stay in our comfort zones. We have to get out and share the gospel. And uh, that's, you know, we 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 get comfortable when we get to heaven. This world's not our home. We're, that's right. All right, here we go. We're just a passing through. I had right. <laughs> to say it. So... So uh, now you're you're an elder. You're still leading singing, and uh, Alberta, you're back to playing the piano. Yeah, after uh, that's not my
1: strength either. Well, uh, you've done a I, real
0: good job this week. I'd I'd take you any time.
1: We just don't have a. We used to have a wonderful piano player. He was so good, um, but uh, so they moved him. They we were having Kurt play the guitar every week because I'm more comfortable with that, and. People asked for the piano, and so I said, "Okay, Lord." I'll tell you <laughs> it's something. Out of my comfort zone.
0: I'll tell you something I learned from you two. Uh, revivals uh, nowadays can be a bit of a struggle. A lot of churches think, "Well, that's you know, you can't get people to come to revival." Well, you can't get everybody to come to anything. I mean, you know, they don't all come to VBS. They don't all come to Sunday morning worship. So why not do something that's an outreach, a revival? But we had you to come to Tennessee to do the music for us. One of the things we hit on was, uh, let's get people that can do some good music. And you came down to Tennessee to do music for us in our first permanent building, the small building there in Lexington, Tennessee. And you called me up and you said, Tom, could, I'd like to do something. And I said, well, what would it be? And Delberti, you said this. He said, you had your boys with you playing drums and guitar and, and singing. he said, after we lead singing scene in the worship service, uh, I'd like to take the boys and take the junior church age kids. Over. And we all agree that junior high and high school, they need to hear adult preaching. Hearing adult everything else nowadays, they need to hear adult preaching. But we need to take them over and do a children's church revival with them. So I said, well, sure, we've never done that. And that that and having special music, that's where we hit on a. If if you don't mind me using the term a formula that works for revival, that if you bring someone in to do a children's revival, that gives uh, something for the kids to look forward to. If the parents don't like the the guest evangelist, the kids will probably say we gotta go because we're getting the shield of faith tonight, you know. Uh, <laughs> and if they don't if they don't like this or that, maybe they like the the singers. But something will bring them there that they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and. Those who uh, have had revivals with us, knowing our packets, we say, uh, bring in, you don't have to pay us, so bring in someone to do a a children's program during the week, and the churches that do that, they usually have a really good turnout, and and that was something that you taught me, because I struggled, though I went out and did revivals in all these years since I met you, uh, I didn't have a lot of revivals at the churches where I was at. Not because I didn't think that they didn't work, but because I it, I couldn't it wouldn't I couldn't get everybody to come. I couldn't get hardly anybody to come. But we felt like new church work. We're going to try this again, and all of a sudden, uh, we we saw this can work if you if you give people something that will uh, teach them at their level, which you did. And after you were there, I don't know. We had half a dozen kids. Beth's shaking her head, she was working with the children then, half a dozen kids, fifth and sixth grade, over the coming weeks that were baptized into Christ because of what they learned at the revival, at the youth, children's revival, not youth, children's revival that you did there. And uh, oh, it it was, and you see, she's shaking her head, she doesn't remember that, but that was a great learning experience for me that I learned where the teacher was being taught by the students. And and also the way you handle the music was something that we like to see happen when we go into revivals as well. So that's been a blessing to us. And by the way, I, I, I would point out that uh, our one of our daughters, uh, Carrie, who is with her husband, Michael, in traveling ministry, uh, not doing revivals, but helping churches with their audio and visual needs and, and helping them to train, find and train children's workers, And their ministry is free. And I'll just put that out there. uh, That it is, they've been doing this since July and it is Live Church Solutions. I think it's lcs.org. I believe that's it. But just type in Live Church Solutions. And uh, they tell me not to advertise for them too much because they've already got a huge schedule. But we were talking to her this morning and she said that um, their ministry, they're working with with what we would call a mega church in the Northeast uh, in New England uh, for about three months right now. And uh, one of the ministers there said that he had, I think been to a conference in California and they were telling him at the conference, the new thing, the new thing is revivals. Boom, I've known it for years. (laughs) I tell people it's so old, it is new, give it a try. And can you imagine that, that churches that think they're on the cutting edge. sorry folks in California I know we have listeners there but they're now saying it's revivals so uh, and you were talking about the young man that was brought to the Lord in revival oh. and, and, and that the, the speaker was that Jerry Gibson at that revival or it could have been Charles Hunter maybe been Charles Hunter early on. Uh, we uh, Charles was a powerful evangelist. Uh, from Oklahoma, and Jerry Gibson, of course, was just a, an educated man that knew how to knew how to speak. Back but anyway, well, listen, we're we're we're. Can you believe our time's almost done? And your story's been great, but I'm going to ask you a question that I ask when I have time, uh, and I, I we got about uh, four and a half minutes here. In your experience, you've now been Christian since 1984. You've seen a lot of change. Come uh, on the church uh, since August 29th, 1984. And I know that because you just pointed that in your Bible. Uh, And uh, uh, Tom Weaver, preacher. Oh, my goodness. Bless your heart. Well, you've seen a lot of changes. In your mind, in your opinion, from your view, either one of you, both of you, your different opinions, whatever uh you can take this as a 1 2 or 3 part question or you can answer one one part or put them all together what do you see as the greatest challenge facing the church individual Christians and or preachers going forward from today and we've gotten all kinds of answers so just what would you what would you say I
1: know about the greatest challenge. There's a lot of challenges I right. see.
0: Well, they just give give some of that. I'm just
1: we aren't having an issue in our church of this, but I see this all over. The Bible is just not being taught. It's mm-hmm. all about events and fun times. And we were told by some students that came from a Bible college to help us at one time. Uh that they did not want to teach a lesson to the kids. Uh, They just wanted to have fun with the kids. I said, well, how was it at your home church before you came to Bible college to study, to do ministry? Uh, We just met and had fun. So Mm. it's a challenge to get people to understand the importance of God's Word. And it's not all about a feel-good sermon or just what you want to hear from it. This whole book is needed and needed to be taught and in depth. Right, And And it seems like a challenge to get people to want to even do that. Or to show up to study and give time to that. Okay, that's a,
0: that's a great answer.
2: Well, mine would, I'm just following along exactly what Delberta said, but the, the biggest thing I think that is, is the world today, the opinion of the Bible is that it's an old, outdated book. There's, uh, there's no relevance. How is it relevant to my life? That's the biggest thing I think the church is facing. How do we make God's word relevant to people living in 2022? Now, I know that, I, I understand. I mean, I, we got that. We come to the point, because basically I would say almost the same thing when I was not a Christian, the book wasn't necessarily relevant. It's just an old book and it was okay and something maybe to to, to think about. But once we found out what's in the book, uh, the the importance of What's in the book? That's where the relevance comes in. But the hard, the challenge is: how do you, how do you get the the people, the young people, anybody today, to see the relevance? It's not politically correct, right? The Bible is not politically correct. Of course, it never has been. So it's it's racist. It's I mean, it's racist. It's it's uh, you see all kinds of military things going on. Horrible things happen in the Bible, right? So that's not really that all itself. the things people say. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And uh, one way would be if if uh, Bible colleges would teach the relevance of it to the students, yes. so that they would know. We know because we've had uh, in our family we've had sons-in-law who are in ministry, and it uh, sometimes they get called in the office. It's their style. Your style isn't good. Well, their style is to teach the Bible. Both of our sons-in-law are very good Bible guys. Yeah. And, and uh, they like to have fun. They know how to have fun, but they'll, they, can, they can argue the scriptures with you. They know the word of God. And uh, so those are good points. And our, our time is just up. So I want to thank you both. This is, this is a, a great great time together. Uh, maybe I'll have to do more couples like this. Uh, this, is, this has been good. Our listeners, we'd like to say to you, if, if you are listening on one of the podcast engines where you can uh, like and and uh, uh, this, please do like it, uh, if you like it. <laughs> and uh, and share it with your friends and coworkers in Christ. If this has been an inspiration to you this this morning or this evening, whenever you're listening, if you're driving a, uh, in a truck somewhere across country or wherever you might be, share this with your friends and coworkers in Christ. And until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye and may God pour down his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.